Hello and welcome to Art Warning, the Lehigh University Pride Center's podcast for all things art and mental health. I'm Damo Campo, the student intern host in charge. Here you'll find interviews with various creatives and mental health enthusiasts on campus and in the Bethlehem area, as well as highlights featuring Lehigh's artists in the making. On today's episode, we'll have Chelsea Gilbert, who will be sharing the impact of tarot on her queer identity and mental health, and Sakshi Acharya, who will be talking with me about social media during the COVID crisis. But before that, our first highlight for this episode is Lehigh Light's 30-day challenge on at Lehigh underscore light on Instagram, created by Dana Baker-Tubbs and Kate Chamberlain, vice president and treasurer of the Mustard and Cheese Drama Society. The challenge encourages students to take pictures with lighting inspired by 30 different prompts. Students can post their photography on their Instagram stories, tag the Lehigh Light Instagram to be reposted, and then tag a new friend to get them started on the challenge. The challenge started on April 17th, but all are encouraged to partake whenever and as much as their heart desires. That's at Lehigh underscore light on Instagram. Okay, so today we have with me one of my intern advisors, Chelsea Gilbert. Chelsea is a queer and bisexual educator who has served as the director of the Lehigh Pride Center for the past five years. She was raised in a conservative Christian Southern community and came to Tarot in 2012 as part of finding her spiritual path distinct from the one in which she was raised. Her spiritual practice today is informed by Wiccan, Pagan, Buddhist, and humanistic traditions. So Chelsea, thank you for talking with me. Um, do you mind um, explaining a little bit about tarot to people who might be listening that are unfamiliar? Sure, thanks for having me. So tarot comes from an ancient art of finding wisdom, guidance, or comfort from cards. So it originated likely in the 16 or 1700s when playing cards were first used and has grown into something that is actually pretty popular today and there are specific decks that people use in order to read tarot but really you can practice that art of finding that wisdom or insight or comfort from any cards that you have. So how did you um, find out about tarot and get into it? Yeah so like you mentioned I was raised in a conservative Christian home where any practice outside of that very rigid definition of what Christianity is was seen as sinful or even evil. And so it wasn't something that I was exposed to until actually after college. So I graduated college in 2011 and started to engage in more activist communities. I spent some time after I graduated on something called the Equality Ride, which was a social justice bus tour where I traveled across the country and visited colleges and universities where queer and trans people are still kicked out or where queer and trans faculty members lose their jobs. And it was on that trip with some of the community members and activists around me that I first learned about tarot and started to incorporate it into my own spiritual practice. I know you were talking about how you had a strong connection to a conservative Christian community um, through how you grew up. Because of that, I know kind of from my personal experience, I was raised very rigidly Catholic. So discovering different spiritual experiences and kind of navigating the queer experience in general is definitely something that is essential to somebody's growth, but also very difficult when you get used to those kinds of practices and experiences, I guess. So would you say from your experience with the Equality Ride that it was particularly easy or difficult to become invested in tarot? Like, how would you describe kind of your journey figuring out how tarot plays in your life? 
Yeah, there were so many things happening in my life at the same time. So at the time I went on the equality ride, I was coming to not identify as Christian. That was becoming not a part of my identity. And I was coming to identify as queer. So it was the first time that I was coming out to myself and to other people. And so it actually was something that was really comforting for me during this time when a lot of things in my life seemed pretty fluid or unstable. I was literally trying to figure out who I was. Finding some way to connect in with something greater than me was really meaningful. And the first deck that I got is called the Collective Tarot. And it's a deck that was actually written by a collective of queer and trans folks in the Pacific Northwest. And many tarot decks have beautiful art that is um, used to create the images on the cards. And so this one is definitely no exception. And what I like about it and what I still like about it when I use this deck, it's still really special to me, is that the images as opposed to traditional tarot decks, which look a lot like playing cards. They have images of a lot of white European royalty. They're pretty heteronormative. These cards intentionally feature all different types of bodies, all genders, all sexualities, all races, and people with disabilities. And so there's something really powerful for me, at least as a queer person, seeing myself also reflected in the decks that I use. I know you were talking about how with this collective deck, it differs a lot from the different um, traditional tarot decks you usually find. Could you speak a little to how the tarot experience kind of differs from the different decks that you use and kind of um, what is considered traditional versus the different ones that kind of stray away from that image? Yeah, so today, because there's so much of a popular interest in Wiccan and pagan traditions, you see all kinds of articles or books or even little gift packages that are inspired by being a modern witch, for example. Um, the options that someone might have if they want to purchase a tarot deck are numerous. What I think is important is that you find a deck that seems to really resonate with you. So there are meanings that are ascribed to all of the cards based on the number and the suit. So in traditional tarot decks, there are four suits and each of those suits are numbered one through 10. And then there's four face cards as well in each of those suits. So what I find is really powerful though, is not just reading the overall meaning of a card, like for example, this one, the seven of bottles in this card, it has an image of an octopus and for me the octopus actually has a lot of meaning and so i find that i can interpret the meaning of this card not just based on what the seven of bottles might mean in any deck but also what this particular image means to me over time i've also incorporated other decks into my practice as well and so sometimes i'll do a reading for myself or for other people using multiple decks another one that's been really powerful for me is called the Wild Unknown Tarot. And this one, all of the images are inspired by animals. Animals are something that's really important to me. And the artist, her name is Kim Kranz, does beautiful artwork that's inspired by animals. And so I found sometimes that combining these two decks can be really meaningful for myself or for other people. It's amazing. And I love how art kind of plays a factor in the tarot decks. I know Art and interpreting art is 
such a powerful way of communicating. And for me, I think this year, especially because of the classes I've been taking at Lehigh, I've really understood better the value in communicating through art, um, especially abstractly. So it's really cool to see how that plays a part in a lot of people's spiritual experiences. But I know we've talked a little bit previously, just like casually, about how tarot has kind of provided structure for you, especially during COVID, and that it's become a little bit a part of your routine. How would you say tarot has benefited your mental health or has changed the structure of your day for the better? Yeah, this is a really difficult and challenging time for so many of us. And I think when there's so much uncertainty, finding solace in a routine or in structure can be really powerful. And I'm of the belief that you can get something out of a tarot reading, no matter who you are or what you believe, whether that's in a particular higher power or no higher power at all. I think that looking at cards can just very simply give us a different perspective on our life. So for me, as someone who believes in some sort of higher force or higher power that I often just call the universe. It's helpful for me to do a daily tarot reading. So that's what I've been doing since we've had the stay at home order for COVID because it helps me to feel a little bit more grounded and it gives me something actually to focus on throughout the day to think, okay, what is it that I want to work on or that I want to focus on, whether that's expressing my needs to others or being grounded or making sure that I'm not getting caught up in worry or anxiety. I think that there can be a misconception that there are some bad cards in the tarot deck. There's a card famously called death and that's all a misnomer. So there are no bad cards. There's always just mirrors and reflections on what's happening in our lives. And sometimes there are tough things happening in our lives and the cards might reflect that. But a card like the death card actually talks about change. And a lot of us are in these times of change and upheaval, personally, professionally, politically, there's so much going on. And so I think it can be really validating in terms of being able to hear what you need to see, okay, I'm not alone and feeling like I'm in this time of change and upheaval. I'm seeing that reflected in the cards. I'm seeing that meaning reflected when I read more about that card. And it can bring some of that stability and structure to a really uncertain time. That's really good, especially when it's kind of hard to feel positive among everything that's happening right now. And I really, really like the point you made about how there aren't truly any bad cards in a tarot deck. Life can be super uncertain and wavering and stressful, but um, by no means does that mean we can't be productive about it. Another misconception that I'll just mention is that the cards are predictive in some way. Like I know a lot of people who, when they go into a reading, they usually have questions. And sometimes those questions are, what's going to happen with this thing? I wanna know, I want the cards to give me answers. And that's not a part of my practice or my belief system. I think that we always have choice and agency. And so there's always possibility and free will. But what the cards empower me to do is to think about what could be and is that a future that I want to work toward and create or is that not a future I want to create and what can I do to propel myself in the direction that I want to go. I love the idea that the cards act as a guide or an inspiration rather than a restraint um, on your future. I 
think that that is a very common stigma or confusion among using tarot cards in that, you know, you see in the media and in horror movies and things like that, like predictive like fortune tellers and all the bad things that can happen if you use them when in reality it can just be a really empowering thing. What would you say to people who are thinking about getting into tarot but haven't really touched it before or a little bit worried about how difficult it might be to start using it as a practice? So whenever I do a reading for other people, I rely on a combination of what I might know about the cards through using them a lot, as well as looking up things online. I have guidebooks for all of my different decks that I use to interpret each card. And then frankly, my own intuition and what a feeling might be that's coming up for me. So I think that a lot of people think if I'm going to be really good at giving tarot readings, I have to memorize every single card and every single meaning, and I have to know it by the book. And I don't think that that's true. I think a great way to get to know a deck is to do a daily one card reading and again for me with the flexibility and time that I have on my schedule and my day I've been able to do that I start my day with that card and then I usually place it somewhere where I can see it so I come back to it throughout the day I think about it I reflect on it and then I choose a new card the next day so I think there are many many different ways to use tarot decks there are things called tarot spreads that are different ways that you might arrange the cards that where each card might mean something different. A common spread is a three card reading where you have one card that represents where you've been, one card that represents where you are, one card that represents where you're going. And there are many, many other spreads with five cards, seven cards, or even 10 cards that you can find online. But I think that it's also okay to experiment, play around and see what works for you. And that one card a day reading can be a really easy and accessible way to just get into it and start learning. Awesome. I'm definitely going to keep that in mind. I think it's a really amazing way to um, provide structure and a little bit of inspiration or empowerment on a day-to-day basis. That's really great. Well, I was wondering if you want me to do a quick one-card reading for you. Oh, I would love that. Yeah, sure. So I'm going to use the deck I was talking about called The Wild Unknown. Is there any question you have in particular, or do you just want to know what is it that the universe wants you to know right now? Um, yeah, I think I just kind of want to know whatever the universe has to offer. Okay, so the card I have pulled for you in this deck looks like this. It's in the suit of swords, and it's number 10. I'm going to actually pull out my guidebook. So the suit of swords usually has to do with communication. So when a card shows up in that suit, it can mean that you've either been working on communicating something or that there's something that you want to communicate or need to communicate. And then the number 10 can indicate completion. So this could indicate that you're sort of at the end of a cycle. So in this card, it can indicate actually that you have let other people take advantage of or walk over you and take advantage of your your niceness or your kindness. And you could even feel some betrayal as a result of that. So this card indicates that there might be some communicating around your boundaries that you need to do in order to protect yourself and not let others take advantage of you, either intentionally or even unintentionally. It's also an invitation to move forward, to maybe move beyond 
relationships or situations that are no longer serving you or causing kind of needless drama or chaos in your life. It's a reminder that you have, again, always a a choice and agency in who you surround yourself with and who you give your time to and that your time and your energy are really precious and they're not gifts that you have to offer to everyone, just to those who deserve them. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. That was really powerful, actually. I'm really glad. Thank you for offering to do that. Absolutely. I'm glad that we did it um, as part of the segment also, just because it was eye-opening for me um, to see how it could be helpful or guide how I approach the rest of my day. I hope that people listening um, can see the benefit for themselves as well. How looking up the different meanings of these cards and things like that can bring up feelings that you might not have addressed before. Thank you so much, Chelsea, for talking with me and going through your tarot experience with me. It's really meaningful. Absolutely. Yeah, thank you for including me. Our next highlight this episode is Artists for Change's 2020 Art Challenge. From midnight on April 12th to 11.59pm on April 26th, Artists for Change is hosting a challenge for performance and visual art. Each day, students can submit pieces according to the daily prompt for a chance to win one of five e-gift card prizes. All appropriate submissions will be placed in a gallery on the Office of Multicultural Affairs webpage. Prize winners are not based on experience or expertise, but effort. So beginner artists are encouraged to try their hand and submit through GroupMe or Instagram. Go to the Artists for Change Instagram at LUArtistsForChange for more information. So today on the podcast, we have Sakshi Acharya. Sakshi is a junior international student from Nepal majoring in environmental engineering. Around campus, she's a peer tutor and works for the Office of Sustainability. And some of her extracurricular activities include SASA, ESU, and Engineering Without Borders. Sakshi is one of my best friends at Lehigh and in general. And she is joining me today to talk about social media during the COVID crisis. Sakshi. You and I both know the answer to this question, but how many hours do you think you spend on social media per day now that we don't have, like, in-person classes? It's bad, really bad. (laughs) I disabled my screen time (laughs) so I could, like, not be reminded of how much time I spend. But I think it's definitely been better now, but I think the worst was eight to nine hours a day. In total, I would spend on my phone, but that was just at the very initial beginning, and I definitely, like, don't have that much time, but it's a lot. I feel like we spend a lot of social, like, a lot of time in social media in general, but I think especially because, like, we're communicating with people, like, on social media, like, instead of just, like, talking, like, in real life, or we're just, like, trying to cope with this whole thing, and we're just, like, going on social media to find some humor, and also, like, just general boredom. Uh, I think we're spending a lot more time on social media than we usually do during the whole COVID thing. Yeah, I want to kind of chalk it up to the fact that I can't see you or most of our friends on campus in person anymore. Like the dynamic of being actively in classes is so changed now. So I feel I'm trying to like make up excuses in that like, oh, I'm spending so much more time on social media to communicate with people that I would be communicating with in person if it weren't for the fact that we're all quarantined. But in actuality, like, I wake up in the morning and a lot of the lectures are pre-recorded now, so I'll wake up and go to, like, I'll say that I'm gonna get up and take a shower and immediately listen to my first class of the day, but I'll just lie in bed for two hours that I normally wouldn't have. 
on like TikTok or something. It's definitely like it's helped as a distraction, but I feel like there's a line between healthy distraction and just and just unhealthy coping mechanisms. <laughs> yeah. Responsibilities and just disappearing into this black hole. I think it's very true. Like I wake up and just spend like an hour on TikTok or Instagram, mostly TikTok. I'm saying Instagram for variety. But um <laughs> <laughs> I think it's true because while some of the time I would spend like talking to you or like any of my other friends that I have on campus that I am talking to now on like Snapchat or any other places, I think it's hard to kind of find that balance between like, you know, like talking to your friends and just like spending an obsessive time on your phone. But it's it's really hard to kind of navigate that, especially because it's on one hand, it's like you're trying to like distract yourself and you're trying to like just cope with the humor. On the other hand, I think it can be very like it can go downhill very quick if you just stop like, you know, interacting with people at all. Or if you stop just talking to people like it doesn't have to be on the social media, like on a platform, you can you can talk on the phone or whatever. But I think it's definitely like so hard to kind of like see that balance and I like I've been struggling like a lot with it but I think as time passed by and I'm like oh this is normal like I can't let like this is not a two-week thing (laughs) this is like a semester-long thing maybe till summer so I'm gonna like learn how to like put my screen time down and just learn how to like like call people and talk to them on the phone instead of just like communicating over like social media because you're like yeah I'll just spend like 20 minutes talking to this person and I go on my phone for another 20 but like the 20 minutes ends up becoming like a whole hour or something like that and it's it's very stressful but I feel like all the different social media platforms serve as different environments too like we keep talking about TikTok because I feel like with our age range TikTok is like the place to be right now in that it doesn't ignore that corona's happening but it makes it just funny enough that you can still digest information that it posts about Corona. Like, in comparison to, say, like, Twitter, I go on Twitter a lot, and, like, 50% of my tweets that I read on my feed are, like, Animal Crossing and that new Gossip Girl meme and all this, like, all this other crap. And then the other 50% is people, like, talking about how depressing their life has become because of COVID and all this other news. Like, I remember seeing, like, a news article from harvard about scientists who project that we're gonna have to be social distancing till 2022 and i just feel like Uh, (laughs) that does not sound ideal like i saw like that's why like i used to go on twitter and just go to see what's trending and like there'd be like something really funny like i don't know like when the whole alien uh area 51 raid was happening (laughs) i just like go on twitter and just look at the uh, the trending hashtags and just like laugh at memes but i feel like now it's just like covid this covid that covid this covid that so like it's too much information for me so i like cannot process so much of that so i like try to go to like places where it's like more of like our age range or like as you said like a good dose of like you are aware that this is happening but i think people are still making like jokes that are just like you know not too bad enough that you're like oh that's that's kind of bad or something that's like oh you should not be saying that but it's just kind of like 
forget about like for two seconds like when you're laughing at something and then like immediately as you like send it to someone you're like this sucks but <laughs> just kind of like ignore it for like two seconds and also about like something about like every social media like serving a different platform that's true and I think that is possible but I feel like with snapchat and instagram it's so much like it's hard to kind of use them for the different purposes I guess because you're just going to be like rotating among those three apps until you're bored and then you do something else for another second and then you come back and end up rotating among those whatever however many apps you're using yeah that's the thing about social media i think in that we have become so used to instant gratification for me one of my biggest hobbies growing up was reading but now i feel like i don't have the patience to sit down and just read a book front to back like i used to because i'm so used to just being able to refresh and see something new immediately so there comes a point where like like you said like you're rotating among however many platforms you use and you run out of new information so like on instagram they added that new feature where it says like congratulations you're caught up in the last three days of posts i always feel so horrible when i see that i like seeing that i haven't seen that in a while because people have been posting a lot which is something else I feel like all these like challenges that's been going on, like you could see like the bingo boards and you could see like until tomorrow, whatever that was. I don't know, like so many challenges, which some of them are really positive and some of them are really empowering and fun to look at when there was like, you know, girls empowering girls, when you just like post a picture and, you know, picture that you're proud of or something like that. And I think there's a lot of positivity also that comes along with people being on social media more celebrities are like you know seeing like Niall Horan or like John Legend they were doing like online live concerts and like Dua Lipa they were all doing like live concerts which is like super cool to look at and it was super fun that they're using this like platform when they recognize that we are all bored and we have literally nothing to do so they're like let me just you know throw this the little thing together and we can kind of just like kind of come together and just be there for a moment and I think that is something we cannot like ignore when we're talking about social media when it's so easy to be like yeah we're falling to this black hole but I think a lot of people have been using it to like make things more positive or at least try and make things more positive which I think is really cool. It reminds me of this discussion that we always have um, an idea seminar. So often the idea of technology kind of leveling the class gap, I guess, um, yeah. and making everything accessible, all information accessible. That's a huge talking point that we have. But I'm imagining now what this podcast conversation sounds like to somebody who isn't always on social media and isn't caught up on Twitter and Instagram and TikTok and Snapchat, like all of the different Instagram challenges that people have been doing, like you said, the girls supporting girls, until tomorrow, all the bingo boards, all of that stuff. People are constantly creating new trends and spreading them on these social media platforms. But for the people who don't have smartphones or who aren't interested in social media, they have no idea what we're talking about. That is something like crazy to think about because you just kind of assume like, yeah, like I'm a teenager or like, you know, I'm in my early 20s. So like, why would I not be in social media? Like who is not on social media? Sometimes like if you make a joke and someone doesn't get it, it'll be like, are you even like, have you been living under a rock? It's so easy to forget that people also are not on social media for like some great reason. Yeah, it's easy to like forget that. I think it goes to show that technology has brought 
a lot of really awesome things into society, like the fact that we're able to still function as a college and reach out to people who are thousands of miles away from us during this global pandemic is really amazing. But also, I can't imagine how people who don't have the facilities to be on all of these platforms are functioning just because I feel like social media has become a distraction for a lot of people um, and a way to stay in touch and distract themselves from what's going on. I saw like a lot of people like on like my feed they're just like oh taking some time of time off social media like if you need me you can text me which like leads me to think that like these people like they're just like having so much of it that like you get to a point where you're like, yeah, I cannot do this anymore. It's like consuming my life. But there's like certain people who never really, you know, got the whole hype behind it. It at least me to think like people are definitely doing probably more productive things than I am doing during quarantine if they're not on social media. But there's so many other ways that you can like spend your time because there's people that have been doing it not only like during this period or like during this entire time, they're perfectly fine with it. Like, I know a person who was, like, only on Twitter just to, like, look at the news and, like, the person doesn't use anything else. And I'm like, how do you do it? Like, how do you not care? And it's just, like, I just, I just don't, which is, like, crazy to me. And then something else that you're mentioning, I wanted to, like, add something on was, like, instant gratification, like, point of social media. When you talked about, like, reading books and stuff, over quarantine like I've been forcing myself to read books but even like books that I've been like wanting to read for so long but I haven't like gone more than 20 pages which is crazy because like if I was like in high school I would have finished in like two days especially right, right now when I have so much free time but now because I'm like you know I just need that like something to happen in the book or something to like just give me that like satisfaction it's hard for me to like get into the book People are always saying that this is the best time to get back into the old hobbies that you used to love or to find new hobbies. And that's definitely been true for me in that I used to play guitar and ukulele every single day and practice. And I used to journal every day and practice drawing growing up. And then as I got through high school and then especially once I got to college, I just found myself forgetting my passions for those things and not having the patience to do it anymore. But that's also, I feel like it's different at college because there's so many new social aspects that you're introduced to. So if you're spending your time, you know, at home pursuing these hobbies, you get a little bit of FOMO when you see other people hanging out. Like, it's different when you live with all of your friends now versus going to high school and then going home. Yeah. yeah, you know what I mean? Well, it's been challenging too. Like in high school, you're like, throughout middle school, you're doing all these other things because you don't have kind of like, you haven't fully developed that social aspect of like going out with your friends, hanging out, just having like a late night. But like now that like we're in college, you kind of like have to leave some of the things you used to do behind. But now we've just been like thrown out of it, literally, like thrown out of that routine. And it's hard for us to like go back into that reading a book or, you know, picking up an instrument because it's like been used to just like not do that. And we've been used to like talk to friends. It's easier to just lean towards that. And I can definitely see why it's like so hard because you've just been thrown out of this routine and you've kind of like forgot. I don't want to say forgotten how to like play the guitar, but like forgotten to like kind of embrace how much you used to like be passionate about anything you do. On that note... Social media is so easy to digest versus picking up an instrument, as you were saying. That takes a lot of discipline and a lot of patience to learn and practice. Because um, you can't just pick up 
an instrument or pick up a book and immediately be able to absorb the information you need to understand it and enjoy it. Like even with books, if you're reading nonfiction, like it can take a lot to understand and enjoy a memoir or something like that that has like that intellectual aspect of it. Whereas with social media, you literally just click a button and then things are dumbed down enough that, yeah, exactly. Like there's a meme or like things are dumbed down enough that like you can understand it immediately. So it's kind of hard to like reshape your perspectives um, and your expectations. I mean, during COVID, like, we don't know how long this is going to go on for because there's just so much uncertainty. And, like, I talked about, like, the positives, but I think something that's also could be, like, I don't know, like, a little bit negative, like, how much information you get. And it's good to get information, but I think now, like, if you go on Twitter, literally all you see, like you said, like, like maybe 40% is, like, you know, Animal Crossing or, like, other stupid things that we talk about. But, like, the majority thing, like, number one or, like, anything, it's just, like, something, like, COVID-related. Like, oh, WHO said that or, like, President Trump did that. And just, like, it's so easy to be overexposed and then, like, start freaking out, even though it's, like, maybe it's not as bad, or maybe it's going to get better. But I think when you're in the moment, and you're just, like, looking at all these different sources of information on social media, it's easier to freak out. Yeah, especially because social media often isn't grounded in reality. There are a lot of expectations that come with using social media. Mm-hmm. So, to branch off of that, when you see the number of deaths due to COVID in the U.S. rising and all this other stuff that Fauci's been talking about and what to expect for the next couple of months when you see that on social media. It's not, it's usually not framed in a very objective way. It's yeah. people panicking. So it's really hard to distance yourself from that when oftentimes, especially for our age group, this is how we get our news and um, keep updated with the world. Um, it's yeah. hard to separate emotion from fact when you're on these platforms like it's like so many things that i just know from social media like outside of covid like fire in australia was going on first way i found out was i saw it on someone's instagram story most if not all of our information from uh different social media platforms and it's it's kind of hard to disassociate just that information from what the person is feeling too when they're posting about it while it's good for me to like be aware of that i was like i would have also preferred to like not know that and like be reminded of that information even though when it's objective it still like creates a panic because like when you go on like the news you're like okay let me just you know tune up and see what's going on but when you're like oh let me just like go check that person's feed out and you see something and you're like not expecting to see it's just like kind of hits harder and like a little bit different Yeah, it's not the same as when you're actively seeking out the information and going on, you know, like, credited news pages. You could literally just be scrolling social media, looking for jokes to send your friends, or just a breath of fresh air amongst everything, and you can still end up stumbling upon something you didn't want to see, which is unfortunate um, for a lot of us who are using these platforms to kind of get away from the stress of remote campus and all of that. Um, I know that was a really depressing way to leave it off. So I figure we can leave it off um, by answering the question, what is your favorite meme to come out of social media right now? Oh my god, (laughs) there's so many. I think the funniest thing, it's not like a particular meme, but it's just like when people have been posting videos with like families in in them or like they're doing stupid stuff with their like siblings. 
that they're like forced to spend all this time together and they just make these like really wholesome funny videos it's it's just really fun to look at them because they're like so chaotic and so fun and just like nice to see that people are like doing something fun <laughs> in times like this i don't know what about you it's a thing on tiktok right now and i liked it so much i ended up doing it to my parents you know about this but people oh have been God. going up to their parents and their significant others and filming them as they ask, would you still love me if I was a worm? Or like, would you keep me if I was a worm? And I did it to my parents. And my dad said he'd use me as fish bait. <laughs> did your mom say she would use you, like, so squish you? Yeah, my mom would squish me. I was like, these are the people I'm quarantining with? I'm going to keep six feet away from you. Jesus. Like, those stupid trends, like, I think it's just, like, as a whole, just people coming up with, like, the dumbest stuff, and it turning into a trend, but it's funny, and it's wholesome. Yeah, that's just, like, the best part of it, is just, like, you know, when you're sending, like, a funny meme, and you're, like, you're, like, laughing for, like, a good, like, 20 seconds, you're, like, alright, that was a good one, then send it to someone. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, thank you so much for talking, Sashi. It's been a pleasure. Of course. Thank you for listening to Artwarming. If you're interested in being featured or speaking on the show, please email dro222 at lehigh.edu or DM us on Instagram at art.warming. Today's transition music was written and recorded by yours truly. As always, thank you to Mel Kitchen and Chelsea Gilbert for all their support as intern advisors. Hope you're all staying happy and healthy, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>